Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Body Snatcher by Robert Louis Stevenson Every night in the year, four of us sat in the small parlour of George Dedeman. The Undertaker, the Landlord, the Fittees, and myself. Sometimes there would be more, but blow high, blow low, some rain or snow or frost. We four would be each planted in his own particular armchair. Fittees was an old drunken Scotchman, a man of education, obviously, a man of some property, since he lived in idleness. He had come to Debenham years ago, while still young, by mere coincidence of living, had grown to be an adopted townsman. His blue Camelot cloak was a local equity, like the church spire. His place in the parlour at George, at George's absence of church, his old capricious, disreputable voices, were all things of course in Denman. He had some vague, radical opinions and some fleeting infelicities which he would now and again set forth and emphasise, tottering slaps upon the table. He drank rum five glasses readily every evening, and for the greater portion of his nightly visit, the George sat with his glass in his right hand in a state of McConaughey alcoholic saturation. He called him the doctor, for he was supposed to have some special knowledge of medicine, and being known upon a pinch to set a fracture or juice Disagreeation beyond these slight peculiarities, he had no knowledge of his of his character and antitendencies. One dark winter night, it had struck nine some time before the landlord joined us. There was a sick man in George, a great neighbouring proprietor, suddenly struck down from the apoxy on his way to Parliament. The great man, still greater London doctor, been telegraphed to do his beds to his bedside. It was the first time such a thing had happened to Denman. The railway was but newly open. We had all purportedly moved by the occurrence. He's come, said the landlord, after we filled and lighted his pipe. He, said I, who? Not the doctor. Himself, replied our host. What is his name? Doctor McFarnin, said the landlord. It is as far enough. His third tumbler stupidly f- fumbled, now nodding over, now staring mazily round him. At the last word, he seemed to awaken. Repeat the name, McFadden, twice, re- quietly enough for the first time, but a sudden motion in that second. Yes, said the landlord. That's his name, Doctor Wolf McFadden. Fetis became instantly sober. His eyes awoke, his voice became clear, loud, and steady, his language forcible and earnest. We all started by transformation, as if a man had risen from the dead. I beg your pardon, he said. I'm afraid I've not been paying much attention to your talk. Who is this Wolf McLaren? And then, when he had heard the landlord out, I cannot be, he cannot be, he added, and yet I would look well to see him face to face. 
Do you know him, doctor? said the undertaker with girls. God forbid, said the doctor's reply. Your name is strange one. It was more if it it were too much to fancy too. Tell me, landlord, is he old? Well, said the host, he's not a young man to be sure. His hair is white. He looks younger than you. He's older though. Years older, but with a slap upon the table. It's a rum, you see, in my face. Rum and sin. His man, perhaps. May have an easy conscience, a good digestion conscience. Hear me speak. You would think I was some good old decent Christian, would you not? But no, but I, not I, never what counted. Volunteer might have counted if he stood in my shoes, but the brains of rattling Philip on his bald head. The brains were clear and active. I saw and made no deductions. If he knowed his doctor, I ventured to remark, after somewhat awful phrase, polls, after awful, somewhat awful polls, I should gather that you not, not share the landlord's good opinion. Pretty's paid no regard to me. Yes, he said with sudden decision. I must see him face to face. There's another pause, and the door was closed rather sharply on the first floor. A step was heard upon the stair. That's the doctor, cried landlord. Look sharp, and you can catch him. He was but two steps from the small parlour to the door. The old George Inn. A wide oak staircase landed almost in the street. There's room for turkey rub, turkey rub. And nothing more between the threshold and the last round of decent. But this little space was every evening brilliantly lit up, not only by the light upon the stair and the great signal lamp below the sign, but by the warm radiance of the bar room window. The George thus brightly advertised itself and passed by the cold street, ready to walk steadily to the spot. We who were hanging behind, behind, beheld the two men meet as one of them had faced it face to face. Dr. McFadden was alert and vigorous. His white hair set off his pale and placid, although energetic countenance. He was richly dressed in the finest of broadcloth and white as a linen, and great coal, gold watch chain and studs and spectacles and some precious material. He wore a broad folded tie, white and speckled lilac. He carried on his arm a comfortable driving coat of fur. There's no doubt he became his ears, breathing as he did, of grief and consideration. It's a surprising contrast to see our parlour of soot, bold, dirty, pimpled, and robbed. Robed his old camelot coat, confronted him at the bottom of the stairs. My father, he said somewhat loudly, more like a herald than a friend. The great doctor pulled up short on the fourth step, step as though the formality of the dress surprised and somewhat shocked his dignity. Toddy McFannan repeated, Fetis. The landed man almost staggered. He stared for the swiftest of seconds at the man before him, glanced behind him with a sort of scare, then a startled whisper, Fetis, he said, You. I, said the other. Me, did you think I was dead too? We're not easy shut of our acquaintance. Hush, hush, exclaimed the doctor. Hush, this meeting is so unexpected. I can see you are unmanned. 
I hardly knew you. I confess at first I was over, I'm overjoyed. Overjoyed of to have such opportunity. The present must be how you do. And goodbye in one for my flies waiting. I must not fail the train. You sh but you shall let me see. Yes, you shall give me your address. It can count on early news of me. I must do something for you, Fertis. I fear you are out of elbows, but we must see to that long lang syne as once we sang at suppers. Money, cried Fetis, money from you. The money has have, I had from you is lying where I cast it in the rain. Dr. Fanon talked himself into some measure of superiority and confidence, but the uncommon energy, energy refusal caused him back to, into his first confusion. A, a horrible, ugly look came and went across his almost vulnerable countenance. My dear fellow, he said, be it as you please, my last fault is to offend you. I should would intrude on you none. I will leave you my you my dress. However, I do not wish it. I don't want to know the value for the shelters that shelters you, interrupted the other. I heard your name, I feared it might be you. I wish to to know after all you were a guard. I know now that you there is none. Be gone. He still stood in the middle of the rug, between the stair and the doorway, the great London physician, in order to escape, would be forced to step to one side. He plainly hesitated, or the thought of this elimination. Wide as he was, there was a dangerous glitter in his spectacles, but while he still paused uncertain, he came aware that the driver of his fly was peering in from the street, and his unusual scene and caught a glimpse at the same time. While a little body from the parlour, huddled by the corner of the bar, presence of many witnesses, described decided him at once to flee. He crouched together, brushing on the waistcoat, made a dart like a servant, striking for the door. The tribulation was not yet entirely of an end, for even as his passing fitties clutched him by the arm, there came again in a whisper. And yet painfully distinct. Have you seen it again? The great witch London doctor cried out aloud with a sharp, throttling cry. He dashed his questionnaire across the open space, with his hands over his head, fled out the door like a detect detected thief. For it occurred to one of us, made a movement of flying, of rattling towards the station. The scene was over like a dream, a dream had left proofs and traces of its passage. Next day the servant found the fine gold spectacles broken on the threshold. The very night we were all standing breathless by the barroom window and fetties at our side, pale, sober, pale, and resolute in look. God protect us, Mr. Fetties, said the landlord, coming first into possession of his customary senses. What in the universe is all this? There are strange things you have been saying. Fetties turned towards us. He looked. At us each in succession in face. See if you can hold your tongues, said he. A man with fallen is not safe to cross. Those who have done so already have repented it too late. We haven't found so much of finishing his third glass. Fellas waiting for the other two. He bade us goodbye and went forth. On the lamp of the hotel into the black night. If we turned to our places in the parlour, a big red fire and four clear candles. 
recapitulated what had passed. The first chill of her surprise soon changed glow curiosity. Curiosity. You sat late. It was the latest, lastest, latest session I've known in the old George. Each man before we parted, his theory bound to prove that none of us had any had any nearer business as well than tracking out the past by condemned companion. The surprise and secret we shared, the great London doctor. It is to no great boast. I believe I had a, was a better hand at worming out the story than either one. He and my fellows of George. Perhaps there's no, there's now no other man alive who could narrate you to you the following foul and natural events. His young days fed his studied medicine in the schools of Imbra. He is a talent of the kind, a talent that picks up swiftly what he hears and readily retells it for his own. He worked little at home, but he was civil, attentive, and intelligent in the presence of his masters. He soon picked them out as a lad who listened closely, remembered well. Now he strange it seemed to me when I first heard it. He was in those days well favoured and pleased by his exterior. There was at that period a certain extramural teacher of anatomy, whom I shall designate by the letter K. His name is subsequently too well known. A man who bore its salt through the streets of Edinburgh in disguise. A mob that applauded at the executed burp called loudly for the blood of his employer. But about Mr. Kane been at the top of his vogue. He enjoyed a popularity due partly to his own talent and address partly to the capability of his rival, university professor. The students on lice swore by his name, a fetish believed himself, was believed by others to have laid them foundation of success. He inquired a favour this smokerly, metrically famous man. Mr. K was a bon virent, as well as an accomplished teacher. He liked a, a sly illusion, a lesson of careful preparation. Both senses fetish enjoyed and deserved his notice. The second year of his attendance, he held his first regular position, the second demonstrator of subsistence in his class. His capability in the, ch- the charge of the theatre's lecture room devolved in particular upon his shoulders. It answered to the cleanliness of the premises, conduct of the other students. It was part of his duty to supply, receive, and divide various subjects. As with a view to this last, at that time, very delicate affair, he lodged by Mr. K in the same wound. And last, same wielding the dissecting rooms here after night the turbulent pleasures his hands still tottering slight still misting confused we were called out of bed at the black hours before the winter dawn by the unclean and desperate interlopers who supplied the table he would open the door to these men since and famous throughout the land it helped them with their tragic burden pay them the sordid price and remain alone when they have gone with unfriendly relics of humanity, but in such a scene he returned to snatch another hour to slumber, repair the abuses of the night, and fresh himself for labours of the day. Few lads could have been more insensible and to the pressures of that of a life thus passed 
within signs of mortality. A mind was closed against all general considerations. It was capable of interest in the fate and fortunes of other, another, of his own desires and lone ambitions. Cold, light, and selfish, the last result. He had a monochrome of prudence, this cold morality, which keeps a man from inconvenient drunkenness or punishable theft. Coveted besides a measure of consideration from his masters, fellow pupils, he had no desire to fail, fail capriciously in external parts of life. Thus, he made it pleasure to gain some distinction in his studies. Day after day, rendered impeachable early service to his employer, Mr. K. A day of work he identified himself by nights of roaring, blackguardly enjoyment. When the balance been struck with the organ, he had called his conscience, it declared itself content. The sly as subjects of continual trouble to him as well as to his master in that large and busy class. Royal Matilden Academies kept proverbially running out. The business thus rendered necessary was not only unpleasant in itself, but afraid of dangerous consequences to all who were concerned. The policy of Mr. Cade asked question, no questions in dealing with the trade. They bring the body, we pay the price, he used to say. Dwelling on the alliteration, quid poco. Again, somewhat profoundly, asked no questions, he would tell his assistance for conscience sake. There was no understanding the subjects were provided by crime and murder. Had the idea been broached to him in words, he would have recalled in horror, but the lightness of his speech upon so grave a matter was itself offence against good manners, temptation of the men with whom he dealt. Faradis, for instance, had often remarked himself upon the singular freshness of the bodies. He had been struck again and again by the hand-dog upon all looks of the ruffians that came to him before the dawn, putting themselves together clearly his private faults, but he had attributed a meaning too unmoral, too categorical to the underguarded consuls of his master. He understood his duty was short, to have three branches, to take that what was brought to pay the price and avert the eye from it, from any evidence of crime. One November morning, this policy of silence was put sharply to the test. He had been awakened all night with a racking, racking toothache. Paced his room like a caged beast of throwing himself in the furry bed, and falling at last into that profound and easy slumber that often follows a night of pain. He welcomed by the third and fourth anger and petition of consent, consented signal. It was a fine, bright moonshine. It bit a cold, windy, and frosty. Town had not yet awakened, but an indefinable, definable stir already polluted the noise and business of the day. The ghouls had come later than usual. They seemed more than usually eager to be gone. Pretty slick with sleep, lighted them upstairs. Heard their grumbling arched voices for a dream as they stripped the sack from their sandwiches. And he dozing, with his shoulder propped against the wall, he had shaken himself to find a man, men their money. As he did so, his eyes lighted on the dead face. He sighed, he looked, took the depths nearer, the candle rays. Good God Almighty, he cried. That is Jane Gallabath. The two men answered nothing. 
May he shuffled nearer the door. I know her, I tell you, he continued. She was alive and hearty yesterday. It's impossible she could be dead. It's impossible you should have got this body fairly. Sure, sir, you're mistaken entirely, said one of the men. But the other looked fatty's darkly naive and bedarded the money on the spot. It's possible to misconceive the threat or to exaggerate the danger. Lad's heart failed him. Stammered some excuses, counted out the sun, and saw his hateful visitors depart. No sooner were they gone when he hastened to confirm his doubts. By a dozen unquestioned marks, he identified the girl had jested with the, with the day before. He saw with horror marks upon her body, and might well be violence. Panic seized him. He took refuge in his room. He reflected at length for the discovery he had made, had made, considering soberly the bearing of Mr. K's instructions, danger himself of interference and so serious a business. Narsin saw, saw inflexibility, determined to wait for the vice's immediate superior, the class assistant. This was a young doctor, Wolf McLean, a of high favour among all the reckless students, clever, dispensarant, and unscrupulous to the last degree. Travelled and studied broadly, managed was agreeable, a little forward, used an authority on the stage, skilful in the ice and links with skate of golf club, he dressed in an ice audacity to put the finishing touch of his glory upon his glory. He kept a gig and strong trotting horse. Refetti was terms of intimacy, indeed their relative positions, called for some community of life. And when so much more scarce, the pair drive far into country, McLean's gig, visit and dissipate some lonely graveyard, return before dawn with their booty, the door the dissecting dissecting room. On that particular morning, McLean rides somewhat earlier than he's wont. Fairies heard him and met him on the stairs, told him the story, and showed him the cause. The cause of alarm, and then examined the marks of her body. Fitties, he said, with a nod, looks fishy. Well, what the, should I do? asked Fitties. Do you repeat the other? Do you want to do anything? He said, soon as mended, I should say. Someone else might recognise her, he ejected Fitties. She was a well-known across the rock. We hope not, said McLean, McLean, but that fallant. If he does, well, he didn't. Do you see, there's an end. The fact is, has been going on too long. So uh, the man didn't get Kane to miss some truly trouble, being a shocking box himself. But will I, if you come to that, I should like to know how any one of us would look or what the devil we should have to say for ourselves in our Christian witness box. For me, you know, there's one thing certain. The practically speaking, all our subjects have been murdered. My father, cried Fetty's. Come now, sneered the other, is, is, if you unsuspected it yourself. But acting is one thing, a proof another. Yes, I know, I'm sorry. You are as you are, as you I should have come here, tapping the body with its cane. The next thing for me is not to recognise it. And he added coolly, I don't, you may, if you please, I don't dictate. But I think a man of the world would do as I do. I had... Well, yeah, the fancy is what Kay would look for at our hands. Question is, why did he choose us to for his assistance? His assistance, my answer. He doesn't want all wise. 
It has subtoned them all others to affect the mind of the lad like the fetties. He agreed to imitate McFarlane. The body of the unfortunate girl was fully dissected. Darwin marked and appeared to recognise her. One afternoon when his work today was over, Fetties dropped into the purple saloon and found McFarlane sitting with a stranger. This was a small man, very pale and dark, with cold black eyes, cut in feature, gave a promise of intellect and refinement, which was but feebly realised in his manners. He proved upon a near acquaintance, coarse, vulgar, and stupid. He exercised, however, a very remarkable troll in McFarlane. He should always like a great bassoon that came inflamed at the least discussion or delay and commented rudely on the severity of which he was ill. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The most offensive person took a fancy to fetters on the spot, plied him with drinks, honored him with unusual confidences on his past career. His temper of what he confessed were true. He was very low in Rome, and Lance Vanity was tickled by the attention the so experienced a man. A pretty bad fellow myself, said the stranger, remarked. But Fallon? Fallon is the boy. Toddy, Miss Fallon, I should call him. Toddy, Toddy. Oh, your friends, another glass. Oh, it might be. Toddy, you jump up and shut the door. Toddy hates me, he said again. Oh, yes, Toddy, you do. Don't you call me that you confound that confounded name, Grandma Fallon, and hear me, did you ever see a lad play knife? He would like to do that all over my body, remarked the stranger. We medicals are a better way than that, said Fetties. We delight a dead friend of ours. We sect him. If Alan looked up sharply, as though the jest was scarcely to his mind. I've been past grey of what was a, that was a strange name. If I defeated to join them at dinner, I ordered a feast so sumptuous that the tavern was thrown to motion. When all was done, commanded McFadden to settle a bill. It was that late before they separated. The man grey was completely drunk. McFadden sobered up his fairy, chewed and cut of the money, being forced to squander the sights he had been obliged to swallow. Fetish was very slickers, sitting in his head. He turned home with devious footsteps and a mind entirely in ambience. 
Next day, McFerlin was absent from the class and Phyllis Smuggers of imagining well squirming in an intolerable grey. Well, Tabula Tabula, as soon as the hour of liberty struck, he posted from place to place and quested his last night's companion. He companions, he would find, he could find them ever nowhere, so he returned only to his rooms, went early to bed and slept the last late or the just. At four in the morning, he was awakened by a well-known signal descending to the door. He was filled with astonishment to find McFallon with his gig, and the gig one of those long and ghastly packages with which he is well acquainted. What, he cried, have you been out alone? How did you manage? But my father silenced him roughly, bidding him to turn to business. When they met, got the blood bodied upstairs, they laid it on the table. Found them made it, made it at first, for he was going away. Then paused and seemed to hesitate. Then, you had better look at the face, said he, in tones of some constraint. You had better, he repeated. As feathers only stared at him but wonder. But where and how and when did you come by it? cried another. Look at the face, said the only answer. Fiddy was staggered. Strange doubts assailed him. He looked from the, from the young doctor to the body, and then back again at last for a start. He did as he had bidden. He had almost suspected sight. It met his eyes, and yet the shock was cruel. See fixed and rigidly deaf, naked on that coarse flay of sackcloth, a man whom he left well clad and full of meat to sin again. The threshold of a tavern awake, awoke even in his faultless fettles. Some of the terrors of conscience, it was a cast chabi which re echoed his, in his soul, a tool to whom he had known should come up to lie upon the icy tables. Yet those, yet these were only secondary faults. First return with guarded woof, unprepared for challenge and so monstrous. He knew not how to look after his comrade in the face. He dared not meet his eye. He neither words or voice at his command. It was Raphael himself who made the first advance. He came up quietly behind and laid his hand gently but firmly on the other's shoulder. Richard, he said, "May I may have the head." Now, Richardson was a student that had been anxious for that portion of the human subject to dissect. With no answer, the murder resumed. Talking of business, you must pay me. Your counts, you see, most certainly. Federer's found a voice, the ghost of his own. Pay you, he cried. Pay you for what? That? Why, yes, of course you must. By all means, and every possible count, you must return the other. I dare not give it for nothing. You dare not take it for nothing. It would compromise us both. This is the other case like Jane Gullivest. The more things are wrong, the more we must act if we were right. How does old K keep, where, where does old K keep his money? Ah, uh, there, answered Fetty's hoarsely, pointing a cupboard in the corner. Give me that key then, said the others, calmly holding out his hand. Instant hesitation, the dives is cast. My father would not, could not suppress a nerve as twitch. The festival marked with his immense relief as he felt the key between his fingers. 
He opened a cupboard, brought out pen and ink, and a paper book that stood in one compartment, surrounded and separated from the funds that could draw some suitable for the occasion. The occasion. Now look here, he said. This, there is a payment made. First proof of your good faith. First step with your security. You have none now to clinch it by a second. Enter the payment in your book. Then you, then for you, your party may defy the devil. In the next few seconds there was fittings in April of fault. And Balancing's terrors, it was most immediate that triumphed. triumphed. Any future difficulties seemed almost welcome. He could avoid a present coil of Farland. He sent down the candle, set down the candle, which is crowing all the time. The steady hand entered the date and nature and the amount of the transaction. Now, said McFarlane, it's only fair when you might should pocket the liqueur. They had my share already. By the by, when a man of the world fails into a bit of luck, a few shillings left in his pocket, I say to speak of it, but it is a rule conduct in the case. No treat threatening. No treating, no purchase of expensive glass books, no squaring of old debts, borrowed, won't lend. Raphaelan began fairities, still somewhat behelsen. I have put my neck in a halter to oblige you. To oblige me, said Quenworth. Oh, come, you did, as near as I can see the matter. What you damn right had to do in self-defence? Suppose I got in trouble. Where would you, what would you be, what would you be, be? The second matter flows clearly. The first, Miss Gray's continuation, Miss Gulliforth. You can begin and then stop. Begin, you must keep on beginning. That is the truth, no rest for the wicked. Horrible sense of blackness and treachery, of fate seized upon their soul, unhappy student. Oh, my cry, he, God, he cried. But I, what have I done? said he, and began to be, make, to be made class assistant. A name, a reason. Where's the harm in that? Service wanted a position. Service might have got it. Would he have been where I am now? My dear fellow, said my father, what a boy you are. What harm has come to you? What harm could come to you if you hold up your tongue? Why, man, do you know what this life is? There are two squads of us. A lion's a lamb. If you are lamb, you come to lie upon these tables like grave. A lady go with. If you're lying, you live and drive a horse like me, a okay, K like the world. With my wit of courage, you staggered at worst. But look at K, my dear fellow, you're clever and you're pluck. I like you, and K likes you. You were born to lead the hunt. I tell you, by my, my honour, my experience of life. Three days from now, you'll laugh at all these scarecrows, like a high school boy at farce. But that met Fannin under his part. I took his departure and drove off at the wind of his long in his gig and got under the cover before daylight. Fetis was thus alone with his regrets. He saw the miserable peril in which he soon stood involved. He saw with principle dismay that no limit with his weakness and that from concession to concession. He had fallen for the avatar of McFernan's destiny to his pain. And helpless accomplice, he would have given the world, being a little brave at the time. If it not occurred to him, he might still be brave. The secret general Jane Gullibeth, the secret cursed entry into the day book, closed his mouth. 
Hours passed, the class began to arrive. Members of the unhappy grave were dealt out by one to another and received. Oh, without remark, Kyrgyzstan was made happy ahead. Before the hour of freedom rang, Freddy's trembled with exhilaration. Exhilaration to perceive how far it had already gone towards safety. For the two days he continued to watch with increasing joy the dreadful processes of his disguise. Presses of skies. On the third day, Mathanda made his appearance. He had been ill. He said, made up of lost time by the energy which he directed his students. For Richard, in particular, he extended the most valuable assistance and advice. The student, carried by the praise of the demonstrator, burned high, ambitious hopes, saw the medal already in his grasp. Before the week was out, the final prophecy had been fulfilled. Better about to live his terrors and forgotten his outbraceless. Gan to plume himself on his courage and had so arranged the story. Mighty would look could look back the events on unhealthy pride. With the company he saw but little. They met, of course, in the business of that class, received their orders together from Mr. K. Times they had a word or two in private and they fanned. Was from was from first to last peculiarly kind and joking. They plainly avoided any reference to the common secret. And even when Fettles whispered to him, he cast in his lot for the lions and full swarm of lambs. He only signed to him, smiling, finally to on, on to hold his peace. A length of the cadence rose went through the peril. Once more into closer union, Mr. K was again short with subjects. Pupils were eager to part with teachers' pretensions to be well always well supplied. Same time, there came the news of Beryl, the rustic graveyard of Glen Close. Time was a little changed in the place in question. It stood then, as now, upon a crossroad, out of call of the human habitations, buried fathom, deep in the foliage of six cedar trees. The cries of sheep upon the neighbouring hills, the steamers upon each other hand, one singing, loudly singing among the pedals, the other dripping fervently from trond above, stir the wind in the mountainous old flowering chestnuts, and once in seven days a voice of the bell, the old tunes of Procedure, were the only sounds that stirred the silence around the real church. Resurrection man, to use a by name of the not period, were not to be turned by any of the sensibilities of customary variety. It put to his trade as spies and desecrate the scrolls and trumpets of old tombs, path worn by the feet of worships and mourners, offerings and inscriptions of bereaved affection, to rustic neighbourhoods which blood their blood is more than commonly tenturous, and which came turn the bonds of blood of fellowship. Unite the entire society of the parish. The body snatcher, far from being repelled by for normal natural respect, was attracted by ease and safety of the task. The bodies that had been laid in earth, in joyful expectation of far different reckoning. They came at the hasty, lamp lit, terror haunted, with the destruction of the spade and the manic maddock. The coffin was false in sentiments. A torn and a melancholy relics clad in circlecloth of being rattled for hours, a moonless bay by pass, a length exposed to uttermost indignities, 
before a class of gaping boys. Somewhat that as two vultures may swoop upon a dying land, Fedis and Metfanon was let loose upon a grave in a green and quiet resting place. A wife of a farmer, a woman who lived for sixty years, been known nothing but good button and godly conversation, was to be rooted from her grave at midnight and carried dead and naked to that faraway city she had always honoured with her Sunday mess. A place beside the family was to be empty to the crack of doom, and innocence of most vulnerable members of exposed to the last curiosity of the amptimus. Late one afternoon, a pair sat forth, well wrapped in cloaks of finest, with formidable bottle. It rained between, without remission, a cold, dense, lashy rain. Now and again there were blew a puff of wind, but these sheets of foaming water kept it down, bottle and all its sad and silent drive as far as Pedacluc, where they were to spend the evening. They stopped once to hide their implements in a thick bush, but not far from churchyard, and once again at the fisher, twice have a toast before the kitchen fire and weary their nips, a whiskey with a glass of ale. Then they reached their journey's end. The gig was house. House was also fled and comforted. Two young doctors in the pipe room sat down to the best dinner and best wine that the house afforded. A light of fire with a beating rain upon the window, a cold and curious work they laid before them, and the zest and the enjoyment of the meal, with every glass they quickly increased. Simon found a hand in a little pile of gold to the companion. A compliment, he said, between friends, with little did the compliments ought to fly like pipe lights. Fed his pocket the money and applauded the settlement to the echo. Your philosophy, coin, I ever was at last to anew you. You came between you by Lord Harry, but you made a man of me. Of course we shall, applauded McFarlane. A man, I tell you, quite a man to back me up that other money. Some big, brawling, hardy old old cowards who would have turned sick at the look of that did thing. You do not, not do you. You kept your head and watched you. Me and why not? Fretter's friend thought to himself. I know a fair mind with nothing to gain on the one side but disturbance. On the other, I could count on your gratitude, don't you see? You slapped your pocket till the gold pieces rang. But Vernon somehow felt a certain touch of alarm at these unpleasant words. He may have regretted what he had taught his companion successfully. He had no time to intervene, but the murmur noisy, noisily continued in the boastful strain. Good, great thing is not to be afraid. Now, between you and me, I want the water hang as practical, but for all Kent, we find them with ball of contempt. Hell, God, devil, right, wrong, sin, crime, all the old gallery of curiosities. They may frighten boys, but men of the world, like you and me, despise them. Here's to the memory of Gray. It was by this time growing somewhat late. The gig, according to the order, was brought around to the door. Both lamps brightly shining. 
The young men had prayed their bill and take the road. They announced that they were bound for Pebbles and drove in that direction till they were clear of the lights of the last houses of the town. They extinguished the lamps, returned upon their course, and followed by by road towards Grimcross. But no sound was on their but that of their own passage, the incessant strident pouring of the rain. It was pitch dark. Here and there, white gates of white stone and a wall gilded them for a short pace across the night. For the most part, it was foot pace and almost groping. They picked their way through the resistant blackness, the solemn and isolated destination. The sunken woods had traversed the neighborhood of the burying grounds. The last glimmer failed them. And beneath, it came necessary to kindle a match to eliminate one of the lanterns of the kick. Thus, on the dripping trees, and environment, environment on the huge and furry shadows, they reached the scene of their unhallowed labours. Yet both the spirits had such a fair and powerful were displayed, they had scarce between twenty minutes at their task, were they rewarded by a rattle and a coffin lid. At the same moment, Farland, having hurt his hand upon a stone, flung it carefully upon above his head. The grave in which they stood, now stood almost at the shoulders, were close to the edge of the plateau of the graveyard, and the big man had been propped and battered to illuminate their labours against a tree in the immediate verge. The steep bank was standing on steam. Chance had taken a short aim for the stone, they came a clang of broken glass, the night fell upon them. Sounds are totally vile and ringing announced the bounding of lantern down the bank. The occasion collision collision with the trees, a stone or two which is lodged in its descent, rattled behind it the two profanities of the glen and their silence, while night presumed it to sway, it might bend their hearing to its own utmost pitch, the note was to be heard set the way, now marching to the wind, now steadily falling over miles of open country. But so nearly an end to that borrowed it a borrowed task had just judged it wisest to complete it in the dark the coffin was resumed and broken open body inserted in the dripping sack and carried between them to the gig one mounted to keep it in place the other taking the horse by the mouth groped along by the wall and bushed until they received a wider road by the fish's tribes it was a faint disfused irregularity which they held like daylight but they pushed the horse to a good pace and began to rattle along merrily in the direction of the hand. They both had been wetted in the skin during their operations. Now as the gig jumped among the deep nuts, the thing that had stood propped between them fell upon one and now upon the other, and every repetition of horrid contact, each instinctively paled it with a greater haste, a process natural enough it was began to tell upon the nerves of companions. Fallon made some ill-favoured jest about the farmer's wife. It came wholly from his lips, it was allowed to drop in silence. Still, they were natural broad and bumped from side to side. Now the head would be would be laid as if in confidence upon their shoulders. Now the drenching sackcloth would flap icily upon their faces. A creeping chill began to possess the soul of Fetis. He peered at the bundle. It seemed somehow larger than at first. All over the countryside, from every angle, degree of distance, 
found all was accomplished. The Apaches had treasured the donations. It grew and grew upon his mind. Some unnatural miracle had been accomplished, and some nameless change had befallen. Everybody was clear that was in fear and holy burden. That dogs were howling. For God's sake, said he, making a great, great effort to arrive at speech. For God's sake, let's have a fight like. Seemingly, MacFarlane was affected in the same direction. Although he made no reply, he stopped the horse, passed the reins, his companion got down, seated the kindled the red ailing lamp. They had by that time got no further than the crossroad, down to Akkilinili. The rain still poured through to the deadlows returning. There was no easy matter to make of light in such a world, wet and darkness. At last, the blickering blue flame had been transferred to the wick, and began to span of clarity and shed a wide circle of misty brightness round the gate. It became possible for two young men to see one another, and the thing that among they had among them, with them, the rain had moulded the rough sacking to the outlines of Doddy when underneath the bed was distinct from the trunk, the shoulder plainly modelled. Something was white, spat, petrified. And human riveted their eyes upon the ghastly comrade of their drive. But some time McFanon stood motionless, holding up the lamp, and nameless dread was swayed like a wet sheet about the body, tightened the hot white skin upon the face of Freddles, a fear that was meanness, a horror which that could not be kept could be could not be kept mounting on his two brain, and never beat the watch he had spoken, his comrade forestalled him. That is, that is not the woman," said my father. "Hush, voice. It was a woman when we put her in." Whispered Fertis. "Hold the lamp," said Eva. "I see her face." And Fertis took the lamp from his companion and tied the fastenings of the sack and drew back down the cover from the head. The light fell very clear upon the dark, well-moulded, moulded features, smooth-shaven cheeks of the two familiar countenances, and beheld in dreams of both these young men. A wild yell rang up, and tonight each leap from their own side rose so the lamp fell, broke, and extinguished. The horse, terrified by the unusual commotion, bounded and went off towards Emra as a gallop, bearing along with its sole occupant of the gig a body dead, a long dissected grave. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.